right. Hello. This is Danielle McCormick. I am the host of the Sweet Spark podcast, and I have my co-host here, Miss Katie Levins. How are you, ma'am? I'm great. How are you? Doing very well. Um, so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about actual real skills that help you truly get a job level up in your job, uh, get better with your career and not just buy into the complacency. Started with quiet quitting, uh, went on to the importance of the storytelling storytelling in your uh, interview and how to bring those stories forward, the things that you gained while you've actually been going above and beyond, looking for the places and ways that you can help and get better. And then also uh, then looking forward to how we can help our veterans around Veterans Day. Uh, and now we want to kind of bring some of those things together in the next few episodes of how do you write a resume so that you can actually get in the door and have the interview get to where you are. Um, yeah, we just want to get in front of that hiring manager. Uh, and really, that's the point of your resume. And so many of us struggle with resumes. Not only are we generally not that great at talking about ourselves, but it's tough to pin down something that you did at your job. Because you're like, I don't know, I showed up every day. I wasn't a jerk, you know, that kind of stuff. But how do you make yourself stand out, especially in a... Um, now method of hiring process of where it's just like math submittals, you know, it's like hundreds of submittals for every job on whether it's LinkedIn, uh, Indeed, whatever that is. And how do you make yourself stand out in a meaningful way that isn't just embellishing a bunch of bullshit, but is actually telling what you did, giving quantifiable evidence and things like that. So we kind of want to talk through that today and just give you some tools, tips, things like that for how to make your resume stand out and kind of do's and don'ts things like that. Uh, Miss Katie, any opening remarks you have, ma'am, on that? That's a whole new world. <laughs> there are, uh, like we've talked about <laughs> before too, that <clears throat> basics, I mean, I think I mentioned the other day how I wish like in high schools that our kids were taught the value of adding, um, like you've said, metrics and, and quantifying accomplishments and things of that nature. I mean, I've personally learned a lot about building a resume. Mine, I think has like two metrics in it or had like two metrics in it. And so there was a great opportunity for me to show growth. I mean, I may have had the same title, but responsibilities may have increased and I didn't put numbers on those things to show the big boost in responsibilities or extra mm -hmm. things that I put on my plate. So it's a very vital piece of, like you said, trying to stand out, especially in a world where everything is so automated. You've got to find a way yeah. to hit the buzzword so the bot doesn't automatically boot you out, you know? Yeah. It's a fine yeah, Exactly. And, and one of those things, like we're, I love how you just said that, like, we're not taught how to do this in general. We're not taught how to do this. So you just throw a resume together. A lot of people have your address on there. Like, I don't need anybody to mail me a letter. You know, like I don't need to have my address on there, especially if you're trying to move. Say you actually do want to move to a new city. You want to move, you, you are moving to a new city or you just uh, decide you're going back home where family is or things like that. Like even just saying your locale can actually boot you out of the process, whether you really mean to or not. And so I don't feel like having your personal details to that level is anybody's business, to be honest. Um, but even when you go to like Google, like I, I, here I say, like how to write a good resume. There's eight steps and none of which are helpful that will make you stand out. It says pick your format 
And then you find people like obsessing over like cutesy formats and, uh, you know, various fonts and does my name need to be over to the left or do I put it down the side or, you know, all that kind of crap. No one cares. And there are a hundred of entries on Google that will tell you, you know, you need to have this kind of resume or make sure that it has your picture or doesn't have your picture or any of that crap. And it's just putting lipstick on a pig. If the content sucks, no one's going to read it. Then it says, start with your basic information, add your work experience, consider putting volunteer experience, don't forget your education, top it off with some skills and interest, whatever that means, and then write a summary statement and tailor it to the job aid or job ad. So, but none of those things actually make it worthwhile. And like I said, we're, we're worried about the wrong things. We're worried about the fonts. We're worried about what does it look like? We're worried about, is it catchy and appealing? When 99% of the time, especially in these mass submittals, you have to copy, paste, upload that shit anyway. No one's going to look at your fancy format. So it really is about your content and what you did and really making yourself stand out about what you did because that's really what adds context to what you did. Because 99% of the time, eh, maybe that's an exaggeration, a large percentage of the time, um, they are going to... May, they, your, your hiring manager may not know what you do because in a lot of ways, your hiring manager uh, is just general HR. They're generally filling positions or maybe they're special. So they're generally filling tech roles, but even still that doesn't narrow it down to what you specifically do. So putting those metrics in there helps to quantify and give context to what it means that you did. Because in their brain, they can be thinking whatever your last role meant in any number of ways. You know, saying I was over nationwide, this or that. If you don't follow it up with that includes X amount of domiciles or that includes X amount of this or I trained 1,400 people or I taught, you know, 20 classes of 10 people or whatever those metrics are, it doesn't give scale of any kind to what you're doing. Right. And like we mentioned before, too, your hiring manager doesn't always have the experience. So they're looking for the buzzwords and the resume to match the buzzwords and the mm -hmm. job description to be like, oh, they at least they understand they're talking apples to apples. They may be talking apples to oranges with me, but at least on right. paper, their experience and their job description at least complement one another. So that's got to you got to be mindful mm -hmm. of that, too. You don't know that the person that's looking through your resume has all of the know how and experience and background for what you're applying for and looking yes, for. Yes, ex exactly. And I know we're going to go more into that in the next episode when we talk about tailoring specific to civil service and coming out of civil service, coming out of the military, coming out of law enforcement, whatever that looks like for you, and bringing that forward on how do I actually use those buzzwords to mean you know, that my, my skills transition over. But so one piece of really good advice that I got on this way back was make sure that every single line, when we say add metrics, it means no shit, add every metric you can. Um, and that doesn't mean embellish. That doesn't mean just, you know, dream up things that you may have done, but make sure that each and every line has a metric. And if it doesn't have a metric, it doesn't matter. And it shouldn't be in there. Like, don't tell me that you shuffle papers and that you, uh, you know, whatever those job duties were, I, I filled out this application or I did this uh, paperwork or I filed these reports or this or that. Like, that doesn't matter. 
every warm body in that job could do that thing. But if you improved a process, if you, uh, I mean, give it context, right? If you were over an operation of size, large or small, then what does that mean? And I think that, you know, I, you and I were talking before, it's like when you were saying that you were at the early facility, mm -hmm. yeah, the memory care facility that you were over, what was it, 20, 20, 20 something beds? 24. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when you went to the rooms. next one, yeah, so then you have 24 rooms and then you go to the next facility and it was how many? 20 for one building alone, but overall it ended up being 126. Yeah, but if you have that same, uh, like you said earlier, you have that same job description, you're still the director of admissions, then what do I know as far as somebody reading a resume that says director of admissions? I Is that a hospital in my head? Because uh -huh. I don't know. Is that a giganto building that you're like, oh my God, she was the director of admissions for 500 people? You're like, yeah, it was a lot, not that many. you know. Or are you the director of admissions and that person comes from a small town and they think that you know the little tiny nursing home their grandmother was in that had 10 people is the... Uh -huh is that, that what that means, you know? And so adding metrics, if nothing else, helps level set so that they know what size of operation you were coming from, they know what size of responsibility you came from. Um, and then as, as you can, where you're able to relate efficiencies, processes, things like that, to dollars and time saved, that's another place you can really stand out and show your value and your worth in your contributions. Most certainly. I think one good point you made too when we were talking prior was whenever you're writing everything you've done, your experiences, your metrics, things like that, you can't write about it like you didn't like the job, even if you didn't like the job. <laughs> and I think that was one yes. thing that really stood out was like, it's you people can read into inflection. And if one stands out and is really brash and short and obnoxious they're gonna be like huh they did not like it there i wonder why they left you yes. know you've gotta yes i had a guy in my career coaching that he had like five six seven bullet points for most of his current roles and then there was this one middle role that he was in for a while but there were like three or four bullet points and, but the way that they were written, it was like, nah, yep, I had the job, I did the things. <laughs> and it was like, there was not much detail. Yeah. And I, was, I even asked him, like, did you not like that job? And he was like, no, I hated that job. Well, it shows. So <laughs> you let's make like sure you that it. it doesn't show through. Yes, you wrote like you hated it. And it absolutely comes through in the way you wrote your bullet points, the way that you um, each, just, just you can tell from I got to do all these things at these other jobs and then I did those things at that job you know <laughs> yuck <laughs> I checked the box I met the mark I showed up yes, I did the duty yeah. begrudgingly but I did mm -hmm. it. yes yes and I left that job as fast as I fucking could so yeah it's just there are ways to make sure that yes you want to you want to always make sure that you're putting your best foot forward. You don't speak poorly about any employers. And yes, we have all had bad experiences. Like you and I talk about that too. You know, like we've all had shitty experiences at a job. You've been had there, a bad then... boss. You've had, you've either been asked to leave. You may have been fired, you know, whatever that is. But I mean, I have to say it, the place Katie and I met was a police department. We were dispatchers by night, you know, and <laughs> I didn't fit in there 
at all. Like, like at fucking all. Didn't fit in, <laughs> nothing. And the way, <laughs> yeah, uh, the management and I were like this, right? And the way that I framed that is I can't say that I hated that job. I learned a lot from that job, I have to say. And I, some of that may have translated into, yeah, it didn't, wasn't great. But really, at the crux of it, and it took some years back, you know, step back, but I was too young for that role for the way that I think. And like now when people ask me, like, what did you learn from that? Or, or you know, what? How, tell me about that job. I say that I learned a ton because I was... I've always been very forward thinking. I've always looked for inefficiencies and in processes. I've always really made sure that we're taking care of our people, that management is doing the very best they can for their folks. And especially when it comes to the civil service space, that we are always on mission to keep our people safe and, you know, make sure that everybody goes home at night. However, I was also, what, 21, 22 when we met, and I was a mouthy little shit, and I had no ability <laughs> to gracefully say what was wrong, what I was finding, any of that kind of stuff, and I was mouthy and obnoxious about it, and I was like, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and you're fucking this up, and blah, 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 you know, and I wasn't a good employee, and I, yeah, I mean, I did my job well, but as far as, like, getting buy-in, and hey, could we do these things better, and all of that kind of stuff, I really learned the value of group work, I really learned the value of trying to work with your upper leadership to uh, bring forth problems. More importantly, bring forth solutions, not just pointing out shit that's wrong. And being able to be a team player that can make your workspace better and all that. But I also have to point that inward and not just say, well, that job sucked because, no, Danielle sucked because... <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't able. Y'all just to weren't ready really for each be other a good yet. Team player. True, we were ahead of our time. That's right. I'm so many. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, it was a it was a fantastic learning experience. But I, you have to take those things with you. So that does demand a certain degree of self awareness to say why didn't it work? What could I have learned? What am I bringing forward? But not just pissing and moaning about, well, they didn't like me and I didn't like them and we didn't get along and it was mean girls and this and that. Because you can. I mean, you can do that anywhere. But A, it's not going to shine well in your next role. But also, you're not taking the lessons required as to probably why you found some friction there into your future space. Well, and if I'm sitting on the receiving end and I hear I hated it because of this or I didn't get along because of that or, you know, we just butted heads constantly, then I'm like, hmm, is this person a team player? Do they adapt well? You know, how do they handle what's, yeah. what does their conflict resolution look like? Is What's the common denominator yes. here? Especially if there's more than one opportunity on your resume or work history where you've learned multiple things, but every one of them, you're like, well, this one sucked because of this, or this one sucked because my boss is awful. There's one common yep. denominator across the board. So instead, you like you said, you have to absolutely shine the light on this is how I can grow. This is what mm -hmm. I learned. And this is how it's benefiting me now and how I'm a much stronger team player, better listener, advocate for solution, et cetera. Yes. And I mean, because if I was the hiring manager and I heard somebody, you know, hated this and that, I'd be like, hmm. So then tell me about this other role. And then I would start like picking mostly to figure out like, so how much do you suck? 
Like, how much of an <laughs> asshole are you? Because if I don't want any of that in my culture, bye. You know, yeah. and so if nothing else, it starts to put that red flag out there as far as like, you're kind of a jerk to work with and you didn't, A, you're not willing to grow and B, you're always pointing the finger at somebody else. And that doesn't make for any kind of team player. Sure as shit doesn't make for a good manager. Mm -hmm. Not at all. So what are some other things that you see when you're looking at resumes that are just off? Like, I, I want to give our folks, you know, not, I can't say that resume writing is the most fucking riveting, you know, thing there is, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, wow, right. thanks. You know, this is really interesting. No, it's not. But again, it is the tool required to get you in the door. And then you can have your amazing personality shine through. You can have all of those wonderful conversations, again, cultivating those stories as to why you should be there, why you deserve the money that you do, because really that's what this comes down to. This comes down to what have you done? Why, how well did you do it? Making sure that you not only can walk the walk, talk the talk as it comes, as it relates to the job you're in um, and the job that you deserve, but we also want to make sure that you don't get overlooked and it starts with the resume. And I, uh, for honestly, when we were talking about like, what kind of tools do we want to put out there for our audience? We didn't really want to do the resume stuff because it's so like overdone but it's so overdone in a very bad way that we just kind of felt compelled that we just need to go through and be like, this sucks and this sucks, don't do that, you know, that kind of stuff and really show what works for people to make sure that you do get the callback for that interview. I think ultimately the biggest thing that I've noticed is just straight watered down. Like if you don't put the effort into mm -hmm. something as basic as your resume or something as upfront as your resume, then what is your job performance going to look like? So if you have four bullet points and it's, I filed the files, I was very prompt and I worked on the team atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like if it's super watered down and you don't take any time to explain yeah. what does that look like or what did that mean? <clears throat> I think it's just like, meh. I'm doing this because I need a job and I have to, not because yes. I really want this role and this is how I'm going to serve this role well. Right. Exactly. And again, it doesn't give context to how large your operation was, what your scale of responsibility was, anything like that. And it doesn't, again, we're trying to get you in the door, right? If it doesn't beg the question of like, I kind of want to know how that person did that, then because filing the files, okay, cool, thanks. You check the box on the job description. But if you say, I was responsible for 13 territories and I did all of the filings for those for 550, it'll just take what I did at Gap, right? I had a 13 state territory. Yes, I was a project coordinator. I made sure that there were packages put together, that they made it through to the funding board. And then if they approved them from there, great. And then I passed them on to the PM. I was a paper pusher, like straight up paper pusher. I didn't put a lot of thought injected effort, you know, things like that. I kept things together and I pushed paper and I made packets and I sent them forward to the executives to review. But being able to say what I did as far as I had 40 projects that I was working on at the exact same time. That gives more context and more scale than, yeah, I just put packets together. It wasn't right. one by one by one. I was working at a, on a bunch at the exact same time. Um, 
we had five brands. We had 13 territories. I had 550 stores in my, uh, in my territory. That gives a lot more scale because, yes, it was a small satellite office, but when you're working for a global company, that is a shitload of stores. Like, that's a, that is a large responsibility, irrespective of what your actual role is. And then going through and talking about how, you know, how did we save 60%? Because I think I said it in the last um, podcast was that we uh, changed the process as we just went digital with all the paperwork. Well, yeah, that saved 60% of our costs uh, for shipping files every time we had to go anywhere. Um, That made sure that we had $20,000 coming off of our books in terms of expenses. And so then that gives, okay, so this person is a problem solver. This person can handle things at scale, even at a lower level position, and is hungry and interested. I kind of want to talk to this person. Uh Rather than, and I have to say, I totally rewrote that because I had to rewrite it because if you're just a project coordinator, not just, no one's just anything, but if at that time I was a project coordinator and I would fall into the ether, if you will, or just fade into the, to the masses, if I say the same thing as everybody else. Mm -hmm. Nothing stands out and says, this person has something to bring to the table of worth, you know, worth something that has some value to offer. That's mm-hmm. going to better our organization. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that is that's really my main thing here. And if you ever have any questions uh, for us about, hey, how can I help make this better? Uh, really, just think inwardly about who did you manage? What did you save the company? Did you save time? Can you equate anything that you did to resources as far as money? Again, time is money. Did you automate people out of a job? In a lot of ways, that's seen as as bad. But if you automate people out of a job, that's a good thing. Because you can then take the talented humans that are wasting their brains on, you know, some boring process, and they can go apply it to a problem that needs to be solved rather than just pushing paper because there's no other way to do it and this process sucks. Um, so anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Uh, please like, comment, um, and share with your friends. We, again, are here to be your practical help for career advancement and flourishing in the future. And we'll see you all again later. Bye. Bye.